Hello, faith community. Welcome to Reading Through the New Testament in a Year. We're in Titus chapter 2 today, and, and I want to share with you part of my passion for this project that we're doing. You know, um, I've been reading through the New Testament, and I realized as, as a father um, that there's times where we read a passage and maybe we don't feel like we have an insight or we don't have something to say, um, and it can be sort of overwhelming to lead our family in devotions, and, and that's our responsibility as men, as fathers, is to read Scripture to our children, to our wives. And so one of the things I'm trying to do here is to come alongside fathers, give you a devotional. You can listen to this, read the Bible to your family later on in the day, and have some, some insights. You can steal from us. That's fine. You can take some of the ideas that we share with you here and, and utilize them later. Uh, we don't see that as plagiarism. We see that as being effective. One of the things that my mentor teacher taught me when I was becoming an educator is a good teacher is a good thief. So feel free to take what you hear here and share it with your family. That's what we're passionate about. Families reading God's word together. And maybe you're not reading it in a family context, but you have trouble understanding what the passage is saying. We're hoping this is just a little way for you to see what God's word is communicating to his people. So let, let's get into it. Titus 2 verse 1, Paul's writing to Titus and he says this, but you are to proclaim things consistent with sound teaching. Now, because chapter 2 starts with the word but we know that he is he's referring back to something he just now said, right? He's contrasting these. That's why he starts with the word but. So what is he talking about? Well, in Titus 1, he goes through the requirements for elders. And one of the things he says for elders in Titus 1.9 is they have to hold to the faithful message as taught. So he may be able to maybe both to encourage with sound teaching and to refute those who contradict it. So Paul tells Titus, the elders you appoint need to be able to hold so fastly to sound teaching that they can refute those who oppose it. They understand the logic of doctrine. This is the requirement for elders. But then what he does is he explains here on the island of Crete where Titus is ministering, there's rebellious people. There's people who are standing up in opposition to the word. He says, for there are many rebellious people. And then he comes back in chapter 2, verse 1, and says, but you are to proclaim things consistent with sound teaching. What is he saying? He's saying, Titus, you need to do this too. You need to be setting the example for the elders. You need to be training the people so they can recognize the rebels in their midst. Understand, just because somebody comes to church, it doesn't make them a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. Yeah, there's hamburgers at McDonald's, but just because you're there doesn't mean you're a hamburger. Same thing in, in church. There's always going to be tares among the wheat. There's always going to be wolves among the sheep. And sound teaching is how we recognize those who are wolves, those who are rebellious against God. And look what he says in Titus 2.1, but you to proclaim things consistent with sound teaching. What is he saying? He's saying, show what sound teaching looks like in practical everyday living. This word for consistent here, it, it means it aligns with, it fits with. 
And so here's sound teaching, and it's not just abstract. It's not just here's what the Word of God says. It's going to come down and it's going to affect my life. It's going to affect the way I live. And that's what he's going to get into. He's going to say, okay, now here's what sound teaching looks like. This is what it looks like to proclaim things that are consistent with sound teaching. What he, what's interesting is he divides it up into different groups within the church. Older men, older women, younger women, young men, and slaves. So he's going to go through these five categories, and he's going to show Titus what it looks like to proclaim things that are consistent with sound teaching. It's not enough just to say, I affirm that sound teaching. Your life needs to match. Your life needs to back up the proclamation of your lips. So he says first, older men are to be self-controlled, worthy of respect, sensible and sound in faith, love and endurance. What is Paul saying? He's saying, Titus, you need to proclaim to those in Crete that as men grow, they grow in faith. As we gain years in our life, we gain strength in our faith. There is no such thing as a believer who doesn't grow. That's not how it works. If if you're not growing, there's something seriously wrong. Believers are marked by growth. And so what does he say? He says older men are to be self-controlled. They're to be worthy of respect, sensible and sound in faith, love and endurance. Now let's look at these one at a time. First thing I want you to understand, self-control. Old men should be a model for us. This is what self-control looks like. Now here's what I want you to understand. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. Self-control is something that we experience through dependence upon God, not ourself. Now, it's sort of deceptive because the word, we have the word self at the start of it. But I want you to understand, self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. It's not a fruit of myself. So this isn't me trying to force myself to do what I don't want to do. Rather, it's me allowing the Spirit to change my heart to want what God wants. That's where self-control truly comes from. Next thing he says about older men is they need to be worthy of respect. You know, as men, God has designed us to desire respect, to desire honor, to have that communicated to us. But oftentimes we can forget we need to live a life that's worthy of that. We need to live a life that people can look to and can say, here's a life that's worthy of emulating, that's worthy of following after. He says they need to be sensible. As we mature in the faith, our sensibility needs to grow. What, what, is, what does it mean to be sensible? Well, let me ask you this question. What controls you? Do your emotions control you or does the Word of God control you? Somebody who's sensible is able to distinguish between what their emotions are saying and what God's Word is saying. Next it says sound in faith. Uh, this, this is what happens as we grow in God. Our faith gets more and more secure, sound, solid. This is the description of what happens as we grow. As we grow in Christ, our faith becomes more and more sound. Next, we need to be sound in love. What does that mean? It means that older men need to be marked by an unwavering love and affection for those who surround them. It's tempting at times as as we grow older to retreat from relationships because what happens? We get hurt. We get wounded. And there's a temptation because of those hurts and those wounds to waver, 
to step back, to take some me time. What does he say? Unwavering love, sound in love, sound in endurance. This is so important. Older men do not grow weary in the faith. They grow strong. They grow in their ability to endure trials, their ability to walk through the fire and not waver. We get stronger with time, not weaker. Why? Because we're learning better how to depend upon God and not ourselves. Our bodies grow frail. Our hands get weak. Our minds maybe aren't as sharp as they used to be, but our endurance grows stronger. Why? Because we depend upon the Spirit. In the same way, he says in verse 3, older women are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not slaves to excessive drinking. They're to teach what is good so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands and to love their children. Now, first phrase here, he says, in the same way. What is he saying? He's saying just like the older men need to be this model of maturity, older women, too, grow in their faith. Every Christian is marked by growth over time. What does he say specifically older women need to be marked by? He says reverent behavior. Reverent behavior. What does that mean, reverent behavior? It means demonstrating heartfelt respect for God's order in our lives. Demonstrating heartfelt respect for God's order in our lives. So when we look at the order that God has designed for the church and the way that it functions, for for leadership in the home, in the family, we look at those things and instead of rebelling against them or pushing them away from us, we have a heartfelt respect for God's order in our lives. Now, now he says specifically what reverent behavior is not. He gives us two things that are the opposite of reverent behavior. The first one is slandering. The second one is excessive drinking. Let's look at those one at a time. So what does he mean when he says they're not slanderers? You have to understand that being a slanderer is the opposite of being reverent. Going around and speaking evil of God's design is the opposite of being reverent. Older women should be marked by not being slanderers, by controlling their tongue, not saying evil of others, especially evil of God's design for his church. Um, it also, he says this, they're not slaves to excessive drinking. What does that mean? What's it mean to be a slave to excessive drinking? It means a couple things. One is, it means to feel like I need alcohol to be okay. I need to have alcohol or I'm not going to feel all right. That, that's one way that you're a slave to it. The other way you're a slave to excessive drinking is allowing alcohol to control you. What does Paul say? He says, don't be drunk with wine. Instead, be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And older women need to be marked by that. They show an example to everybody else of what it means to not be a slave to excessive drinking. What does he say next? Next, he says that older women are to teach what is good. Now, and I want to stop and I want to think about this for a second. Older women are to teach what is good. Good, but I thought scripture said that, that women weren't supposed to teach. No, that's talking about something really specific. It's talking about teaching men. 
and exercising authority over men. Women are absolutely supposed to teach. The Great Commission at its core, what does it say? Teaching them. It says, make disciples of all nations. And what do you do? Teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. I think that so often we we can look at the requirements for biblical manhood and womanhood, and we can begin to think that that means that God hasn't given women the same tasks as men in the church. He absolutely has, and he's given them the same giftedness when it comes to teaching. Now, there's people who are gifted as teachers, and, and there's people who aren't. Everybody is called to make disciples and teach them to observe everything I've commanded you. There's women who are uniquely gifted as teachers, and they're, they're going to teach other women. But every single woman, whether they're gifted as a teacher or not, is called to teach. And older women all have something to teach. Why, why does he say every older woman should be able to teach what is good? Because every older woman has walked with the Lord. She's dependent upon the Spirit, and she's learned from Him. And so guess what? She has something to share. Now he says specifically, here's what they're supposed to teach. This is the, this is the result of what they teach, so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands and to love their children. Now, now I want you to think about that. He's saying specifically what they're teaching is encouragement to young women. Now this is so important. Let your teaching towards younger women be oxygen for the flame that's in them instead of dirt. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean, I think that we have a temptation when we're teaching at times to put people under law. You know, it's really easy just to say, okay, here's what you do. You do this or you're bad. You do this to be good. That's law. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about encouragement. What does encouragement look like? It looks like reminding younger women, this is who you are. This is who you are. You do love your husband. You might not feel like that right now, but that's who you are. Christ's love is shed abroad in your heart. You do love your children. You might not feel like that right now, but that's who you are. Encouragement looks like reminding others of what they are. This is how we're to teach. This is how we are to instruct the hearts of others. This is what Titus 2 is describing. They're to teach younger women to love their husbands, to love their children. Make sure that your conversations, especially between older women and younger women, are encouraging them to live out who they are, their identity in Christ, as a lover of their husband and a lover of their children. It's so tempting at times to try to reach out with compassion and participate in words that wound husbands and children, words that hurt husbands and children. Instead, what are we supposed to do? Encourage. Yeah, that, that hurts. The way they treated you is wrong. But you know what? You love them because you have Christ's love. And he loves people who mistreat him. He loved people who didn't love him first. And that's the love that you have in your heart for those in your life. And so we encourage this. Well, one of the exciting things is coming up this Saturday, we have our Titus 2 Women's Conference. We're doing Titus 2 this week. It's perfect timing. And what we're going to have, we're going to have older women teaching younger women how to do all of these things, to love their husbands, to love their children. But guess what? It doesn't end there. The list goes on. The next thing he says is to be self-controlled. Wait, didn't he say that same thing earlier? Yes. 
The life of the believer is marked by self-control. And remember, self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. What does that mean? Same thing. Encourage them. This is who you are. You are self-controlled because the Spirit is inside of you, giving you the strength to not give in to that desire. You might feel like you want to say something that's going to hurt someone. You might feel like you want to gossip. You might feel like you want to withhold forgiveness. That's not who you are. You can control yourself. Next, they teach them to be pure, to live those lives that are set apart for God as holy. This is who you are. You've been washed, but you've also been sanctified. You've been set apart for a purpose. Next, he says this, to be workers at home. This is God's design for the family. God has given women a gift to be able to establish, set up, and structure homes. And his design for the church is that the older women in the church teach the younger women how to do that, how to do that effectively, not to resent that responsibility they have within their own homes, but to revel in it, to enjoy the God-given task that he's given to them to enjoy for his kingdom, for his glory. It's so important that we don't look at this and we say, okay, this is outdated. This is maybe misogynistic. This isn't for us today. No, this is God's word. We don't decide with culture what God's word means. God's word decides what culture means. We need to make sure we're not interpreting his word through the lens of our society. Instead, we're interpreting his word by his spirit, comparing spiritual things 